you know, one of the things I'm always saying is that if this country is going to get better, if this country is going to go on the right path, we have to step up as a community. Veterans are the sleeping giant in this country, and it is time for us to step up. That's why I want to talk to you about the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina. Now, you might have thought about the Citadel in the past as this Corps of Cadets, this military institution, but they have programs for veterans that don't involve you joining the Corps of Cadets, don't involve you wearing a uniform every day, and don't involve you living a military lifestyle. If you want to do that, great. But if that's not what you're up for right now after your military career, then you don't have to do that. And you can access some of the best programs in the world. The Citadel has some hot degrees in intelligence, tactical strength and conditioning, engineering, and project management. And there's five student-type options for veterans. There's graduate college, there's evening undergraduate, there's active duty students, non-cadet day program, returning cadet veterans, and online programs. The academic offerings include undergraduate, graduate, college transfer, graduate certificates, and online degrees. Veterans have access to every single academic degree the college offers, and they have the most flexibility when it comes to their schedule. They can major in anything offered to the cadets and would take those classes during the day with the cadets. But then there's other programs offered in the evening or online and graduate programs to choose from, too, to make things so flexible for you. The U.S. World and News Report has named the Citadel the number one college for veterans in the South. And for veterans who choose to take classes on campus, they get to be a civilian student in a military environment. They don't have to wear uniforms, like I said before. They don't have to join the military culture of the Corps of Cadets. The atmosphere is a really good transition environment from military to civilian life. There's an organic mentorship that comes from taking classes with the cadets. The cadets want to talk to you guys. They want to hear your stories. They want to know what it was actually like to be in the military. A lot of, the, a lot of these men and women are going to go on to serve as officers in the military, and they're going to exact change, and they need to hear from you guys. They, You also get access to the Citadel's alumni network. Like I said, this is one of the most illustrious institutions in the world, and when you join the Citadel and you graduate, you're part of their alumni network. That includes so many leaders. It includes so many business leaders, so many leaders from the military, and so many leaders from the government. The college's core values of honor, duty, and respect align with veteran culture. They align with who you are, and it's something that you're not going to get anywhere else in this country. Uh, There is tons of special assistance for veterans at the Citadel, and whether you're a veteran or active duty military personnel, you can take advantage of these programs. You also get access to the Veteran Student Success Center, the Career Center, the Academic Success Center, the Student Veteran Association, and all campus clubs. If you want to play rugby, you could do that. If you you want to lift weights, you could do that. You get access to everything that the students get. There's fellowship opportunities. There's tons and tons of financial assistance. So if you're interested in getting a degree from the Citadel and building your life, head over to citadel.edu slash veterans. This is Chris Albert, and I'm here to remind you of one thing. Someday, you're going to die. Now, that's not some morbid statement or scary idea. It's a solid fact. Your time here on this earth is limited. And we need to be 
this as much as possible for one simple reason. To live your best life while you can. This is the Warrior Soul Podcast. Welcome to the Warrior Soul Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. This is where we deliver tools, tactics, strategies, and ideas to help the U.S. military veteran community and anybody else willing to listen to live their absolute best lives. Today, we're going to be talking about a subject that we have covered a bit in the past, but I don't think enough. We're going to be talking about psychedelics. Now, Here's the deal. Psychedelics have had a certain stigma around them since the 1960s. People think you can lose your mind. People think you're a junkie. People think you're a drug addict. People think all types of things about you if you start talking about and using psychedelics. But here's the deal. Psychedelics have been used for thousands of years for healing purposes, for community purposes, for religious purposes. And of course, also to help people feel good and have a good time. I don't think there's anything wrong with that last part. Um, But these days, people are looking more and more to psychedelics to help with things like post-traumatic stress and depression. And here's the deal. We all have this beautiful thing called the mind. We're born with it. But it doesn't come with an operation manual. And one thing that I have found from my own use of psychedelics is that their use helps me to understand my mind a bit better. Of course, there's a whole host of other elements that can come into play here, the religious elements, the spiritual elements, which I think are important. But for our purposes here in the veteran community, a community that is looking for healing, a community that is looking not just to survive out there, but also to thrive I think that these could be really valuable tools for us to explore as a community and for our country to explore as a society. Uh, Today's guest is a man named Dustin Robinson. He is a lawyer out here in Fort Lauderdale. He uh, is a cannabis lawyer and he also works with psychedelics. He's got a website called MrPsychedelicLaw.com. Um, he's also the founder of Eter Investments. Uh, that's I T E R. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it, but that is a venture capital fund that goes out and seeks opportunities to fund uh, businesses that are working with psychedelics. Uh, we had a really interesting conversation. He is a great person. I think he's doing absolutely awesome work. And without further delay, let's get into the conversation. Dustin Robinson, welcome to the Warrior Soul Podcast. How you doing, man? Doing great. Excited to be here. Uh, you know, we were talking just before this. I, I wanted to bring you on because you are an expert uh, concerning the legal matters uh, behind cannabis and, and psychedelics. Um, you also started an investment firm um, that is uh, or a private equity firm that is um, trying to bring some of the psychedelic medicines to market right now uh, and really interested in what you're doing. So I really appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's an exciting time in the industry and uh, happy to play my role. How'd you get into doing this stuff? 
Yeah, so um, I start off my background is I'm, I'm an attorney. I'm also a CPA. Um, I founded a law firm uh, that was exclusively focused on cannabis um, and had been running that law firm for quite some time. Um, and about probably 31 months ago, uh, <clears throat> several of my cannabis clients started reaching out, wanting to get involved in psychedelics. So at the time, I'll be honest, I didn't know much about psychedelics. <clears throat> I had never tried a psychedelic. And quite honestly, I was part of uh, <clears throat> one of the people that, you know, has that social construct around it that has the stigma. Um, so I had a client that wanted to do a mushroom grow out in Jamaica. Another one wanted to do a resort out in Brazil. Really, <clears throat> at the time, wasn't really too interested in getting involved in it. Once again, I, I kind of had that that stigma related to, to psychedelics. And, and then the doctors I represent started work, re reaching out to me. I represent a good amount of the cannabis doctors here in Florida. Also represent uh, one of the biggest franchise marijuana clinics down here that has a whole network of doctors. So I have a really strong network of doctors. And, and to my surprise, <clears throat> I was just getting a lot of inquiries from them wanting to get involved. Um, some of them wanted to do research. Some of them wanted to do uh, open up their own ketamine clinics. Uh, ketamine is a schedule three compound. So it's actually FDA approved. And a lot of doctors are using it off label for various mental and behavioral health issues. Um, and the doctors started sending me research and, and I'm kind of, uh, I'm big on, on facts and, and science and data. I'm not a big anecdotal type of guy. And, and as I was reading the research they were sending me, I realized that the preliminary research was really demonstrating some very strong efficacy around these compounds as it relates to various mental and behavioral health conditions, as well as um, things outside of the mental behavioral health uh, industry, really even, even for inflammation and, and things of that nature. So started just diving deep into the, the research um, and talking to more and more mental health practitioners. And the more I talked to them, the more... I realized that there's kind of this unanimous understanding amongst mental health practitioners that the current pharmaceuticals just aren't working for right, mental right. and behavioral health. I was a little naive to all that stuff. Um, and so realized that we have a, a huge problem, um, you know, mental health. We're in a mental health crisis. We have a situation where there's not really uh, a solution out there, being that the current pharmaceuticals aren't working. And, and here are, is a class of compounds that the preliminary research is showing that they're extremely efficacious and not only efficacious, almost equally as important, they also have a great safety profile. Um, so ended up helping some of those doctors with some, some research projects, ended up launching a couple different ketamine clinics with those doctors. And ultimately at the end of 2019, launched a nonprofit called Mr. Psychedelic Law focused on legal reform. Um, in the middle of all this, I, I had my own psychedelic experience and totally changed my understanding of these compounds. Uh, I kind of grew up my whole life thinking that these were, were compounds that were debilitating, that they were addictive, they were bad for you. And my experience with them was, was quite the opposite. I, I really felt that the research I had been reading, I, I, I started experiencing it within my own brain, um, neuropathways opening up, dendrites being built, um, and really started to understand uh, what these compounds are really about. And, and, and I, I found that they were more mind expanding, you know, not mind limiting, but mind expanding and, and really was able to understand it a great deal better. So through my, my advocacy and, and legal work started just 
getting a lot of startups reaching out, got very involved in, in you know, helping with some startups, got very involved on the advocacy side. We, we drafted a bill that we filed here in Florida to, to legalize psilocybin. It didn't get passed, but it uh, it got the conversation started, which was really the intent. And, and ultimately, uh, kind of fast forwarding uh, to just uh, several months ago, we launched a venture capital firm focused on deploying capital within the space. And so really I come at this industry um, from a legal perspective, offering legal assistance from, from an advocacy perspective, you know, trying to help change the laws. But really the, the legal and the advocacy stuff I realized was just not enough. We needed significant capital to be deployed, to continue the research and to prove out um, what we've already kind of known um, over the course of, of thousands of years of these compounds being taken. So Right now, the venture capital firm is really focused on providing that capital uh, for the research that needs to be done. And, and we're continuing our efforts on the advocacy side. We plan to have another bill we'll be filing uh, in this next legislative session. It's going to be a bit different than the last bill. It's going to be mainly focused on, on research. Um, and we actually think we're going to get some pretty good support and we think we have a good shot at it passing. So very excited to, to be here and, and to kind of tell my story. And, and, and really, I think one, one area where I'm a little bit different than a lot of people is that, and I think this helps me relate from an advocacy perspective, is that I was sitting in, in the seat of some of these people that have these stigmas just, just a couple of years ago. Um, I, I really didn't necessarily believe in these compounds. And now I'm, a, I'm obviously a full believer and I've, I've de dedicated a, a large portion of my life to really um, helping bring these transformative medicines uh, to life and, and, and getting patients and veterans and other people that need these compounds, getting them the access to them so that they could, you know, find, use them for their healing powers. That's awesome, man. Um, if, if you don't mind me asking, what, what type of uh, psychedelic journey did you take when, when, when you uh, tried it? Yeah, the first one, you know, most of my psychedelic experiences, I have nothing against uh, recreational. Obviously, these compounds are illegal, so I, I don't, advocate for for any illegal use of these compounds but 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 mine have been mainly therapeutic and and really under advisement of of doctors so my first experience was uh at a doctor's my, a doctor who I actually represent uh at their ketamine clinic mm -hmm. so my my first experience was really an experience with with ketamine and uh my second experience was with psilocybin and really it was the both of those experiences that really helped shape my perspective on these compounds and really changed the whole way I think about them. So it was certainly a transformational experience. And what was most like amazing, the most amazing part of these compounds was the lasting effects. Well, after, you know, you, you take these, it really helps reset your mind and kind of uh, help you gain a, a new perspective on, on the world that we live in and a new sense of oneness with the world right. and with nature. Right. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that's good about organizations like yours and um, doing this in a medical setting and also maybe even doing it in a, a, a organized setting with a shaman and, and, a, and a guide is that you get the set and setting right. Right. And, and that's what a lot of people don't get when they go into recreational use of these compounds is that, you know, it, it, if you take a heroic dose of mushrooms or if you take some, some dimethyltryptamine, um, that's not fun necessarily. It's, it's something that is going to 
bring you in front of yourself. It is going to speak a truth to you, whether you want to hear it or not. And, and you're going to be there and you're going to go through it. And I think where a lot of that stigma comes from is, is when people aren't necessarily prepared to do it and aren't necessarily um, ready for what's being given, given to them. And, and if you just take it in a party setting, you're not going to get, um, you're not going to get that, that effect of being brought before your truth. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you look at our website on our nonprofit website, we put in big bold letters, responsible legal reform. Um, our focus is on making sure we roll this out in a responsible manner. I mean, what happened in the, in the sixties and the seventies, I mean, you know, there was tremendous research happening back in the fifties the and the sixties. And, you know, unfortunately I think some people abuse some of the compounds and, you know, maybe it got into the hands of the hippie counterculture. And I think that's kind of what led, uh, you know, to the to, to the listing of these as Schedule One compounds. So I think it's important that when we have these these legal reform initiatives, that it's responsible and we're, we're making sure that we don't let, you know, irresponsible things happen with them because these are powerful compounds. Anything that's powerful could be used for good, but it could also be used for bad. Right. And so it could have negative impacts if you're in the wrong set and setting. So it's super important. And, and the sense setting, like you said, it's what, what we're really advocating for and what we're, we're investing in is, is really this, this mental health crisis. We're trying to solve this issue. So I believe that these are mind expanding and people without mental health issues could, you know, really elevate their state of consciousness when, when done in the proper set and setting. But first and foremost, we need to heal the people that are suffering from depression, PTSD, and all these other various mental and behavioral health issues. And so, you know, I have friends that come to me and they're like, yeah, I don't know about this whole thing you're doing with psychedelics. I, you know, I take them, I have a good time and I giggle a lot with my, with my buddies, but I don't know how they're going to help with mental health. And I, and I tell them, look, the experience that you are experiencing when you're doing it with all your buddies and doing it at, whether it's at a club or, you know, something like that, totally different experience than what we're really working on, which is, doing it in a proper set and setting for healing purposes. So, you know, when you put on a blindfold and, and you're talking with a shaman or, or with a doctor or a therapist, you're going to have a totally different experience with these compounds than if you're taking MDMA, you know, at UltraFest with a bunch right. of your buddies listening to, to medicine. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not opposed to that, but, but each different set and setting, each protocol you put yourself under is going to be a totally different experience. And I think that's where a lot of the research is focused. If you think about what MAPS is doing with MDMA for PTSD, Rick Doblin is, is very, very um, specific that a lot of this therapy is based on the protocol. It's not just the MDMA. It's doing it under the right set and setting and under their protocol where the real healing actually occurs. And, and then the preparation and, and the integration thereafter is also a key component to it as well. So you're absolutely right. Set and setting is something very important. And, and I think we're just scratching the surface on, on what we understand is the ideal set and setting for various different indications. Right. And you also have not just the heroic dose scenario where, where you're actually going on a journey. You also have 
you know, the microdosing scenario where, where people are just trying to optimize themselves in their daily lives or trying to overcome depression or, or mm-hmm. just trying to be a little bit more sharp throughout the day. And psilocybin, microdosing psilocybin, microdosing LSD could have a huge effect on, on your daily productivity, how you feel each day, your energy levels, um, a whole host of things, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, the microdosing, like I, I started this off talking about research and data that there's a lot more research and data on, on the macrodosing side, as opposed to the microdosing. So, you know, I've seen, you know, dozens of decks of, of companies that are launching microdosing companies and, and we're certainly excited about the potential, but it's also important for people to understand that the microdosing side of things is mainly anecdotal at this right. point. And so, and so that doesn't mean I don't believe in it, but we, we definitely need to start putting some some significant capital behind that to really research it and truly understand what's happening in the brain. And, and yeah, doing, you know, a microdosing regimen is going to be a much different experience and probably different healing effects compared to a macro dose. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, venture capital side, um, you know, uh, kind of want to get a little bit into the process. Don't want to get too far out into the weeds and, and everything, but like, you know, a, 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 an entrepreneur comes to you, they've got a, a pitch deck, they're looking to raise money for a project. And then your job is to mainly put them in touch with uh, funding sources, right? Yeah, well, we, we are the funding source. So we have okay. our own capital that we've, we've pooled and, and we, we are the funding source. So my job is really to pick the companies that we believe are really going to have a transformational impact on, on healing various indications. So, you know, people ask me all the time, is there really enough companies to invest in or enough companies doing this? We get a lot, a lot of pitches, you know, on a daily basis, we're receiving different companies that are reaching out to us that are trying to develop different therapies or retreats or functional mushrooms or the clinic model technologies, there's so many different aspects to this industry. People people don't recognize this. There's just a huge value chain that ha- is now being developed within this space. Um, so there's no shortage of companies that are out there trying to build their business. But um, there's also going to be, obviously, a, 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 like any emerging industry, there's going to be a lot of companies that do not succeed. So, you know, my, my job is to, you know, look at these companies. Um, we have a very specific investment thesis and in what, where we believe the future is going. And, you know, generally when we look at these companies, we, you know, first step is really discerning whether they even fit within our investment thesis. If not, we, we don't really take the next step, but if, if they do, um, we get very heavily involved in diligence and, and understanding the company, understanding any intellectual property, the company might have any sort of um, FDA pathways they're planning to take. And, and really, you know, once we in- invest, we also help them build out their team and help them strategize to help ensure, ensure success. What, what stage generally are the companies in when you, when you come out? They're, they're generally startups, right? Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, we're focused on seed and series A round companies and generally that's going to be startups. So yeah. Um, you know, there are, currently clinical trials going on. MAPS is in phase three clinical trials. USONA, Compass Pathways in phase two clinical trials. Uh, there's various phase one clinical trials going on. Um, but yeah, we we generally will get involved um, in the early stages, um, generally even before there's any sort of IND or anything like that. 
to study these these molecules. Um, but usually there will be some sort of IP behind what, what they're looking to do and there'll, there'll be a team that's built and you know there'll be a business plan. Uh, but yes, we get we get involved a very early on. Um, well, that's cool, man. Um, how close do you think we are to actually having um, you know products that that we could go to or therapies that we could go to? Yeah, I mean, I think I think MDMA will be FDA approved and commercialized probably um, sometime in 2023. Um, mm-hmm. They're being approved under what's called a REM, a risk evaluation mitigation strategy that the FDA imposes upon these companies, which means they'll need to be delivered at a facility. So the therapist will need to be certified and the site will need to be certified. So the rollout, what a lot of people are overlooking is how complicated and difficult the rollout and commercialization will be of these compounds. So once MDMA gets approved and, and commercialized under, under MAPS, they'll need to be certifying therapists. Therapists did not go to school to understand psychedelic-assisted therapy. So this is a, a totally new uh, paradigm that, that they're going to have to learn. And then there, these sites are going to have to be certified as well, most likely, um, and really the infrastructure doesn't necessarily exist for psychedelic assisted therapy. The, the current paradigm is people who have depression go to see a psychiatrist or PTSD or whatever it might be. They see a psychiatrist, they get prescribed uh, Zoloft or Xanax or some SSRI. They go to the pharmacy and they take it at home. Under this paradigm, um, you go to a facility and, and these compounds are administered. So the rollout and the commercialization will be relatively complex. And then also getting the insurance companies on board will be complex. Now, psilocybin is in phase two clinical trials. I think that will be FDA approved and commercialized sometime in 2024, 2025. And that is under a REM as well. So that will have some of the same challenges. With that being said, that's all FDA stuff. Um, Oregon has recently passed measure 109 um, and they're under a two-year rulemaking period. So uh, psilocybin um, will be probably available in Oregon sometime in, I'd imagine, 2023, 2024. Um, But people need to understand that that Oregon model is still federally illegal. So it's not not legal. Um, But then also what I'd encourage people to do that may be suffering from PTSD or or major depressive disorder or treatment-resistant depression, whatever it might be, to go seek out some of these clinical trials because there's sites all, all across the world that are doing these clinical trials. So even though you can't get these compounds prescribed, if you're a volunteer um, for some of these clinical trials that are going on with these compounds, um, you know, you can gain access through those clinical trials. Yeah. There's also some, some not-for-profit charities that, that also take people down to Peru. Uh, I had Jesse Gold on here from uh, the Heroic Hearts Project. Um, He actually takes veterans down to Peru and, and, um, they, they do ayahuasca ceremonies down there. Um, and the, I think there's a few others as well. Um, wanted to ask you, you know, aside from psilocybin, MDMA, and, um, and the ones that you spoke about, is there anything going on with like DMT or, uh, or uh, ayahuasca or anything like that? Absolutely. Yeah. There's, you know, all these compounds, you know, right now what's, what's mainly been research is kind of what we call the first generation of psychedelics, which is just the compounds we already know about, whether it be 
um, psilocybin, MDMA, uh, 5-MeO-DMT, DMT, mescaline, peyote, ayahuasca, um, 2-CB. There's a whole list of them. Um, but also what we're excited about is kind of the second generation of psychedelics, which are really analogs of those compounds. And then there's kind of this third generation of new chemical entities that are just that are just psychedelic inspired. So really just completely new compounds that are being developed to, you know, hit these receptors, the 5-HE2A and, and B, and then and these other receptors that are hit by the natural compounds. There's these new chemical entities that are being created by some of these startups um, to address these issues as well. So there's really just a, a lot of different compounds. Um, we're, we're excited about, you know, DMT, 5-MeO-DMT. We just invested in a company called Beckley SciTech, um, which is which is researching 5-MeO-DMT. They're also doing some research with respect to microdosing psilocybin. Um, so yeah, there's there's a whole lineup of, of different psychedelic compounds and then next generation psychedelic compounds that are being researched for really various different indications. That's awesome. I want to take a, a one more course before we go. And um, that is to say that we, we have a lot of veterans out there, obviously, who are interested in the subject matter, um, you know, psychedelics and, and therapies. Uh, there's also a lot of veterans out there who are um, just getting out of the military, looking for a new career path, looking for, for a way to go. How does somebody get into finance and, and, and this type of, uh, uh, of a career that you're in? Yeah, well, you know, one thing I'll say just to all the veterans, if, if you want to get involved, um, go to the nonprofit website, mrpsychedeliclaw.com and just click on get involved and, and fill out the form. We are right now drafting, um, like I said, a, a research bill. And what's important is when we tell this story, we got to tell the why. And the why is, is because there are veterans and, and others, but but there's a lot of veterans out there who have fought for our country that are suffering terribly with, with no solution out there. Right. So it's a total injustice and, and, and we owe it to humanity to at least research and explore these different psychedelic compounds, whether or not they even do have efficacy, even pretending that they, let's pretend they don't have efficacy. The current model is not working for these veterans. So I think we owe it um, as a society to, to research other options and, and psychedelics happen to be an option that is very, very real. So, so the first thing I'll say is any veterans, especially if you're located in Florida, uh, would love to connect with you. would love to kind of get you involved in, in the movement and the team and would love to hear your story. Um, but then if, if you're looking to, to get involved um, in any capacity, there's a lot of different opportunities. I mean, obviously, look, if you're looking to get involved in the finance side, you probably should have a, a finance education. Mm -hmm. If you're looking to get involved in the legal side, have, you know, have a legal background. Um, but there's a lot of different opportunities. I, you know, we've talked to multiple different veteran groups that are doing some of these retreats that you're talking about where they, they go to another country and, you know, provide some of these therapies. So, Really, I wouldn't say, you know, there's one particular area, whether it be finance, legal, there's a lot of opportunities within this industry, whether your background is in marketing, legal, finance, HR, um, you name it. This is an industry that is growing. It's emerging. Um, there's a full value chain out there for various types of positions. So if you're passionate about it, um, keep your eyes open, you know, reach out to me. I'm happy to kind of 
you know, point you in the right direction, but there, there's tremendous opportunity out there. And especially for veterans, you know, people are really, you know, a lot of these companies are being created for the purpose of helping veterans. So, you know, whenever we look at a deck and it's got a veteran on their team, we definitely, you know, add some points to that particular company. Cause we love to see that, you know, the people that are working with that company are, are also the people that will hopefully be getting healed by what that company is working on. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Um, you know, I, I want to say this. I uh, after getting out of the Marine Corps, I, I had a lot of rough things happen to me. I'm autoimmune disease, uh, dealing with depression, dealing with whole host of different issues. And you know, I went down the same route with with medicine. You know, um, uh, tried to go the pharmaceutical route, didn't work out really well. Um, and you know, having been introduced to some of these compounds they've definitely had a positive impact on me. I, I don't try to uh, impose my story on anybody else or try to push anybody else toward these types of things if they're not ready. But I, I, I think exactly what you said, at least researching these things, at least getting out there and, and doing the science and doing the hard work rather than pushing them off to the side and saying, hey, these are evil compounds. And if you use them, you're a scumbag. Um, I think that we've done that for far too long. And um, we alienated a whole host of, of tools that have been used for thousands of years. Um, so I really, really do appreciate what you're doing. And um, I, I, I thank you for it. I thank you for taking up this, this work. No, thank you for your service. And I want to thank, you know, all the veterans out there that are watching this. You know, you're not alone. You know, there's people that are, are working hard on this. And you really shouldn't be stuck with the current pharmaceuticals that just aren't working. And, and not only aren't working, they have horrible safety profiles and, and, and a high dependency rating. So, you know, these are, these are things where, you know, the veterans really should be getting out and demanding that these things be researched. Because just like you said with the set and setting, like I, I don't know that just if some veteran watching this decides to take psilocybin on, you know, at his house, whether that's really going to have a healing impact. It's really the set and setting and, and having the proper support, doing the preparation required, setting your intent, um, and then working with, with a therapist or a shaman or a healer to help you integrate what you've experienced into society. So there's a whole process that goes into this. So it, it, it's, you know, it, it's hard to say that, you know, veterans should just go out there and, 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 you know, do psychedelics. Once again, I don't advocate for any illegal use of this, but that's why we need to create some legal framework where there's research and there's an understanding and there's a place for veterans and, and others who are suffering, a place for them to go um, where they could do this under the proper set and setting. So I thank you and, and all your viewers and, and the veterans. We, we appreciate all the service you, you've done. And, and I think collectively, hopefully we could make this world a better place and, and heal a lot of veterans and a lot of other people who are suffering. That's awesome, Dustin. And, and where can people learn more about you, learn more about ITER Investments and, and learn more about uh, Mr. Psychedelic Law? Yeah, we have um, we have a website, mrpsychedeliclaw.com, um, eaterinvestments.com as well. Um, we're on all the social media under those hashtags. So yeah, follow us. Um, reach out on the website. Each each of my websites have either get involved forms or, or contact forms. So if you want to get in contact, just fill out that form and you know be happy to talk to you. Outstanding. 
Well, thanks again, Dustin. And to everybody out there, um, I definitely hope you got a lot out of this episode, um, you know, learning about these compounds as they go. Um, hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, the future brings a lot more promise as far as what these things can bring to the table for our community. And um, no matter what you're going through out there, keep the faith, keep working and live your best lives while you can. This is Chris Albert with Dustin Robinson, and we are out. All right, guys, there you have it. That is my interview with Mr. Dustin Robinson, Mr. Psychedelic Law and ITER Investments. Um, We are going to have all the links to get in touch with Dustin, everything that Dustin's working on up on the show notes for this episode at warriorsoulagoge.com. That's A-G-O-G-E. And I hope you got a lot out of this. Um, I, I think this is an area we don't talk about enough. I think that there are tools out there that a lot of us could be using. Um, and of course, we're not encouraging anybody to go out there and break the law. You should be doing this under legal circumstances, trying to get the proper guidance, trying to make sure that you are doing this the right way. Um, Again, it's always a pleasure to speak to all of you. I hope that you're getting a lot out of this show, and I will be back at you next week with some more awesome content. This is Chris Albert with the Warrior Soul Podcast, and I am out.